everyone. Welcome to the San Diego News Fix. I'm Christy Totten. Today we're going to talk to education reporter Kristen Takeda about what's going on in San Diego schools and what needs to happen for them to reopen. We'll also talk to opinion editor and producer Abby Hamblin about Name Drop San Diego's latest guest. But first, the news. The mass vaccination site near Petco Park will resume operations Wednesday. The supercenter run by UC San Diego shut down from Sunday to Tuesday after the county announced that a shipment of Moderna vaccine had not yet arrived. That shipment still hasn't come in, according to a county spokesperson, but UCSD decided to reopen the site after it received another shipment of 8,500 doses from Moderna. San Diego County has hired Andrew Strong to lead its new Office of Equity and Racial Justice. The County Board of Supervisors established the office last June to identify systemic bias within the county organization. Strong is a Navy veteran and is currently Chief of Staff of the county's Chief Administrative Office. The county is expected to recruit two more people to fill positions supporting the Office of Equity and Racial Justice. NASA has given UC San Diego $5.8 million to help develop electric-powered flying taxis. The idea has been around for decades, but is struggling to get beyond the concept stage. UC San Diego will lead a group in creating software to design vertical takeoff and landing aircraft. The aircraft are quieter, safer, cleaner, and more affordable than helicopters. Some could even be pilotless, flying preset routes. There's been a lot of news and anticipation about school reopening since the pandemic began. The San Diego Unified School District has about 100,000 students, and most of them are still learning from home exclusively. Under the state's plan, schools in San Diego County can't reopen until the county's case rate dips below 25 per 100,000 residents for elementary schools and 7 per 100,000 for middle schools and high schools. Here's the latest. Kristen Takeda, you're the K-12 education reporter for the San Diego Union-Tribune. First, can you explain what's going on in San Diego schools now? Just give us an overview. Right. So in terms of reopening, basically, San Diego Unified schools are still closed to in-person instruction. And there's an entire dilemma about when to reopen them. There's a lot of people on both sides saying that uh, there's people on one side saying they should reopen now. Um, to stop harms happening to children because of closures. And then on the other side, um, there are other parents and then uh, the district that is saying they need to wait until it's safer to reopen. Last week, the district actually gave some more information about when San Diego Unified will reopen, um, although it's not very detailed, but they did say that they are essentially waiting on two things. One is vaccinations of teachers and other school staff. And then two is for local case rates to decline. And we don't know exactly how much they want it to decline before reopening, but those are basically two things that are keeping San Diego Unified Schools from reopening. And so that's kind of where we're at right now. Yeah, County Supervisor Nathan Fletcher announced that maybe in two or three weeks, educators could start getting vaccines. If that were the case, how long would it take to get them all vaccinated? Oh, that's a really good question. It's really unclear because we've already seen, you know, that the vaccine rollout has been taking a long time, even for the people who are already made eligible to get vaccines. And so, um, and of course, a lot of it is depending on the supply. I think the county is hoping that they will get 
a surge, a, a bigger surge of shipments um, early next month that will allow for them to reopen or to open vaccinations to teachers and school staff in two to three weeks. But even when vaccines are made available to school staff, I think rolling them out could, um, we, we don't know how long that's going to take. And then, of course, the vaccine requires two doses, um, not just one. So there has to be that um, those weeks of waiting time in between the doses. And then I think some teachers have told me they want to wait uh, before going back to school for the vaccine to be in full effectiveness. So that's waiting for an additional two or so weeks after they've gotten the second dose. And so that's just a long, a, a longer timeline for um, waiting before uh, potentially going back to school. Um, it all depends on, I, I guess, at what point in the vaccine process that schools think they can uh, start calling their teachers back. It all depends on each school district because um, they're approaching it differently. Going back to student mental health, I think we've seen so many headlines recently about how students are potentially suffering, you know, being stuck at home this whole time. Um, you spoke to pediatricians across San Diego County who are urging schools to open because they're worried about students. What are they seeing that's troublesome? Um, yeah, a lot of them said that they're seeing something like one doctor told me she's seeing a, dep a depressed child at least every day. Um, so Overall, I think what a lot of them said they they're seeing in their in their kid uh, the children they're seeing is that they don't have any joy for school anymore, and school is basically something that they're enduring or bearing rather than something that's um, something that's either helping them or making them feel supported and safe. And so, um, they, I mean, they're seeing. Uh, anything from, you know, kids' grades suffering because they have to take care of their younger siblings instead of, um, and then they don't have as much time to work on their own schoolwork. And then they're also seeing um, several, several of their patients gaining a lot of weight because, and becoming obese because they're not walking into school, they're not going to recess, they're not uh, doing live PE class. Um, so, um, they're seeing uh, all these kinds of health health concerns and issues arising. Another another doctor told me she uh, is seeing an increase in her and her eating disorder unit. Um, they've had to start moving patients to other parts of their hospital because they don't have enough room. And then also she's seen an increase in a lot of them are seeing more kids spending way more time online. And all that screen time is not good because they're not, they don't have any other healthy outlet for their social development. And, um, and so, yeah, they're seeing a lot of, a lot of uh, things like that where children are basically stuck at home and um, they don't have, you know, they don't have peers to develop friendships with. They don't have adults at school who are there to support them or even to detect potential abuse that might be happening in their family um, because they don't have, you know, the adults outside of the home who can look out for them. So, yeah, it's a lot of uh, a lot of things like that. Have school districts responded to that at all? Are they are they doing anything for these students? Um, it depends on uh, each district and school. I've seen some school schools and districts 
try to de uh, deploy more of their count school counselor um, resources to students. But I think one problem with that is that schools in, to begin with before the pandemic didn't have enough counselors there. At a lot of schools, there's like one counselor for several hundred students. And so I think um, that's been, that been a challenge for many schools. And then I think uh, a lot of a lot of schools and districts say that they've been, you know, really working hard to improve the quality of their distance learning um, and just doing the best they can to, like, they acknowledge distance learning is not the same as in person. But I think some of the um, children's health experts I've been talking to, they they seem to think that there's just a lot of limits in what distance learning could do for a student or a child. For their social and emotional health, I, and I've seen this in a in a Zoom class, a lot of teachers don't even see their students because their, uh, you know, their Zoom screen is black or they don't want to show their faces. And so, I think it's a lot of people are saying it's really hard to be there for a kid if you can't even see the kid on on your Zoom class. And so, I think there are probably a lot of challenges, even though schools are working on the doing what they can with the social and emotional needs of students. I think there's still a lot of limitations as to what they can do right now with without seeing their kids in person. Let's, let's talk about school leadership. Lamont Jackson is likely going to be the interim superintendent of San Diego Unified if Cindy Martin is confirmed to be President Joe Biden's deputy secretary of education. What can you tell us about him? Yeah, so um, he has had a very long um, career in San Diego Unified. He started out as a teaching assistant at a high school and a women's basketball coach. And then he worked his way up to be a teacher and then a principal and chief human resources officer. And now he's a area superintendent, which means he is basically in charge of a, a of a area of schools in the district. And he is basically that, that the boss of those principals in that in that area um and so but yeah he's worked in the district for roughly three decades and um yeah when i talk to a lot of people who work with him and a lot of the principals who report to him they all really like him they they just uh, i think they agree a lot with the way he leads um he he's known as a person who doesn't tell people what to do but more so um you know, helps people to make their own decisions, come to their own decisions about what they need to do to help their school. And he's been a frequent visitor at schools and he's seen as a very, a very personable and approachable guy. So um, yeah, there are a lot of people who think that he was a, um, who have confidence in him and trust him as a leader. And a lot of people were glad to see him named as the interim superintendent if Cindy Martin is confirmed as the deputy education secretary. Well, yeah, your story said that he could be or he's he's seen as being a, a good permanent replacement potentially. But how will the district go about finding a permanent replacement for Martin? You know, I know in the past they've been criticized for hiring her in a closed door manner. So how will it decide this time around? Basically, the school, the San Diego Unified School Board will appoint a committee of several um, people from the community and from within the school district, like teachers, parents, 
Um, and then also, um, yes, again, several community organizations and even um, some from city and county government, but basically they're gonna to appoint to local committee of people who will essentially conduct a lot of the search process. They will, the, the committee will um, work with a third party group to hold uh, public forums to gather feedback about, you know, what do people want to see in the next environment. And they will also, the committee will also review the applications and then they'll select the, who they think should be the finalists for the school board to interview. And then the school board will eventually choose from the from those finalists that the committee picks. But um, this whole search process is supposed to take for basically the rest of this account uh, for the rest of 2021. So we won't know until probably early December who the next permanent superintendent is. But um, overall, the board has promised that this search process will be transparent and involve the community and involve the public. And like, for example, the finalists will all appear or all expected to appear in public forums um, so that the public can uh, give their own feedback about who should be picked. And yeah, the board was very intent, uh, I guess this time about um, doing a transparent and open search process is what they've um, promised to do. Abby Hamblin is an opinion editor and producer with the UT's Ideas and Opinions section, and together we co-host the Name Drop San Diego podcast. Name Drop San Diego is all about the people in, around, and from San Diego who shape our region. Hey, Abby. Uh, welcome back to News Fix. Hey, Christy. Thanks for having me. Tell me about who we have on Name Drop this week. So this week is a bit of a local legend. Um, she has been you know, a cultural leader in the community for a very long time. And that's represented by the many awards she's won. She recently had a mural uh, painted of her in East Village in downtown San Diego area. Uh, it's Makeda Cheatham, and her nickname is Dread. Many know her by Dread. And she is the founder of the World Beat Cultural Center, which is on in Balboa Park. It uh, has a lot of murals all over it, if you've ever seen it uh, driving by. She's just a very interesting person, and I think the conversation is one of the best we've had in a while. Yeah, she's amazing. She's 78 years old, has been here, right, since she was two months, um, really helped to shape this place. And, like, I, I just feel like if there is a community award, she's, she's probably won it. But let's go ahead and listen to a clip. San Diego was a hard place to grow up in, and I've been here all my life. All I remember, you know, I came here when I was two months old, so parents brought me here but for people of color it's very hard you know and I just wanted to do something for uh black people my people and then I realized it's the world beat is for all people because I hung out with so many different uh, uh people of the world I started the profit vegetarian restaurant the first vegetarian restaurant in San Diego and it was all it's all people all kinds of people you know so unity, you know, is so important with all of us. As you see, they did a big mural of me and it said, you know, it was about unity. So um, that was it. The World Beat Center was founded to heal, heal the world through music, art, dance, and culture. 
And that's what we have to do is heal the world with, with culture. So Abby, what else stood out to you from that interview? I think what's so cool is she's starting to really feel like after such hard work for such a long time, she's starting to see the fruits of her labor. You know, she talks about on the episode how everything she does is for the next generation, but she's really been admiring how, you know, young people have really been cultural leaders lately. And, you know, especially on race issues and some of the things that are really meaningful to her, you know, she sees that San Diego is a changing place and that, you know, it was so hard for her as a young person growing up here, but she feels like things are moving toward the better. So I think just the positive message of how important it is to give back to your community and, you know, it's not always easy, but it's worth it in the long run. I think she's really inspiring and will help a lot of people feel like, you know, San Diego is a community worth investing in and that it is getting better, hopefully for people of color, thanks to leaders like her. Yeah, absolutely. She's like such an inspiring figure. She shared some um, stories, you know, some difficulties that she experienced here in San Diego growing up as a young black woman. But also, you know, she's brought like so much to this place. I think, you know, the, the podcast is called Name Drop and it's because we want to, you know, interview people that we can name drop. But she really like, you know, she was friends with Bob Marley. She knows Ravi Shankar. She is, you know, a student of the monk Thich Nhat Hanh. She knows like no doubt and sublime, you know, like she's just an amazing person who's connected to so many different people. So she really is an incredible storyteller. Yeah, I think that the way that she sort of her life is like just a collection of stories, you know, and to just sit and listen to those is so enjoyable and so interesting. So I think a lot of people will enjoy this episode, whether they know her before today or not. Okay, Abby, tell me about the next guest. Who do we have on deck? So I'm so excited because I'm in the middle of reading her book that comes out this month. It's Marisa Reichardt. She's from San Diego and she has written a few books, including one of her most recent ones, which is about a young teen uh, dealing with the big one, AKA the earthquake that we're all um, kind of waiting for to hit California. Uh, but her latest book is A Shot at Normal. I'm reading it right now, like I said, and it covers what it's like uh, to deal with your parents uh, about vaccinations. It, it centers around a girl who doesn't get vaccinated because her parents don't want her to and don't raise her siblings with um, vaccines. But it's so timely because she wants to be vaccinated. And so she's kind of dealing with the family dynamic there, kind of how much agency you have as a teenager, what your options are and how you, you know, want that freedom that you want getting close to 18, but you're not 18 yet, all of those things. Mm -hmm. So it's such a good story. I'm so hooked. Um, you know, I'm, I've been just like diving into it and I read and read and read until I get late um, and tired and want to go to bed. But I'm excited to talk to Marisa because she just covers such interesting subjects in the young adult category, which, you know, some of that can be, you know, dating and sort of the classic topics of being a teenager, but she really covers some interesting stuff. So I'm excited. Yeah, those are pretty heavy topics. But the fact that you said you just got like sucked right in, and it's such a fast, like fun read. That's awesome. Yeah, it's just so timely. Like vaccines are the number one news topic of the day. And here we have this book coming out, you know, talking all about them and talking about kind of the youth perspective, which I'm always a fan of um, elevating and listening to. So it's a great, great time to be writing about that subject, I think. 
You can find Name Drop San Diego wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find us on social media. That's Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram by searching Name Drop SD. Thanks for listening to the San Diego News Fix. I'm Christy Totten, and we'll be back tomorrow.